Welcome to Leaders Raising Leaders. I'm your host, Tara Elzang. Join me each week for insightful conversations with industry leaders, where we will be exploring the art of balancing work and life. We'll dive into the challenges and triumphs of parenthood, shaping a path for change. Get ready for an inspiring journey filled with authentic stories. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Leaders Raising Leaders. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Emma Bangnell. So am I pronouncing that right? Yes, you are. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Um, from The Mothering Psychologist, how are you today, Emma? I'm good. Thanks very much for having me on, Tara. I'm delighted to have you here. Um, if you wouldn't mind, can you, I, I suppose, give you a bit of an introduction to yourself for people who may not be familiar with you? Yeah, so I suppose a little bit about me would be I'm a clinical psychologist um, and I'm also a holistic sleep coach. And I'm a mommy to two little girls, um, one who just turned two a couple of weeks ago. And my other little girl is only four months old. She's joining us here today in her carrier. Um, <laughs> and I suppose I've always been really passionate in my work about working with children and families. So I suppose when you qualify as a clinical psychologist, you cover all service areas and the entire lifespan. And then generally you kind of choose a niche area and what you're drawn to. And for me, that was child disability. Um, but then when I became a mother myself, I found I was just so engrossed in re-niching down to early child development. Um, and I think initially it probably started, to be fair, as me nerding out and wanting yeah. to know everything that there was to know about early child yeah. development. Um, and then this kind of changed and I was reading stuff and I was kind of going like my psychology background logically is kind of going okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense based on what I was taught and what I learned at college. And then the mammy brain was going, no, no, that's not reality. That doesn't sound right. Like my baby isn't like that. My baby's not this magical textbook mm-hmm. baby. What are you talking about? Um, and I think I started to kind of share that experience on my Instagram page, which at that stage hadn't really been a big page. It was more a kind of signpost to resources. And then it just evolved into something else where I had other moms messaging me kind of going, yeah, this is me too. I I don't get it. It's not making sense. My baby isn't like these babies in the book. And that's when I really kind of got passionate about really busting all those myths and trying to share information in a really accessible way as well, because yeah. I don't know, Tara, but for me, definitely, I have total baby brain and I still do. It's worse on my second. <laughs> and I remember kind of going like, I could have read this stuff for hours before and now I can't. Like, why can't I take it in? Mm. So for me, it's really about making it accessible as well for parents. So so that's kind of who I am. And my page then is um, The Mothering Psychologist on Instagram. And that's where I share all my information all and my life. Yeah. yeah, and it's absolutely a fabulous page to follow for any um, parents who are going through that. And I think, you know, one of the things that really draws me to the page, Emma, is that you, I mean, even kind of like looking at the Elf in the Shelf poll that we were talking about, which kind of led me to ask you to come on today. You you ask the question inquisitively. And I think when you look at a lot of the social media posts, what they try to do is cause controversy. So they'll say things like, oh, this psychologist said that Elf on the Shelf is going to uh, damage your child and I hate that word damage quite truthfully when I see it and I'm like okay you're trying to cause a spark and scare parents yeah absolutely and I think for me it's probably something you often hear me mention is this idea of clickbait mm-hmm. and that's something that makes me feel really uneasy because I totally understand that you know Instagram has really become a place where people make their money and it's their business um, but for me 
as a psychologist, I have to approach what I do ethically. And that means that I can't go about kind of scaremongering to make me earn money, you know, that making people feel stressed and anxious so that I can make them my customer. But there's an awful lot of that going on because when you think about it, it makes sense. You know, we're really vulnerable as parents. We want the best for our children. Sometimes we're in a very vulnerable place ourselves where, you know, we feel like we're failing. We feel like we're not doing our best. We feel like, I don't know, that that we just don't know what we're doing. And we turn to these people who promise us these quick fixes and unfortunately how they're selling those quick fixes is to make us feel like we're really doing something bad or worse that there's something wrong with our child and that that pulls at the heartstrings that really gets Mm -hmm. you reacting doesn't it that's that's those kind of situations where it makes you impulse buy doesn't it because you kind of go oh my goodness there really is something wrong with my child and it's all my fault and I feel so guilty and I need to fix this yeah, yeah. And it's a distraction. Yeah, exactly. From what I, what is going on in front of you. And as you said yourself, like even having that psychology background, I suppose, what was it that kind of, was there a defining moment for you that when you kind of said, okay, this is not what my baby is doing compared to what I thought? Yeah, it was sleep. Really? And it was really funny. Um. I would have worked with families and children with sleep as a psychologist, you know, through the years within primary care and child disability. And it would have been quite um, behavioural, I suppose. And I, when I look back now, I was rattling off all these behavioural tips and strategies, which in theory should work, but don't actually account for, I suppose, the individuality of the child, but also their family as well. And the defining moment for me was, again, I was nerding out, right? I thought, okay, I need to know everything there is to know about sleep because sleep is so important for our babies and I need to know how to do it. And there was a book that I picked up and I remember looking at it and it had this schedule laid out. So a lot of the books would kind of have a schedule around maybe nap times and wake times and things like that. This book was a whole other level, Tara. Not only did it tell me when my baby should be awake and when they should be asleep. It also told me when I was supposed to get washed, when I was supposed to wash the clothes, when I was supposed to clean the house, when I was supposed to cook the dinner, when I was supposed to eat and all these things I should, 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 should do. And I just remember putting down the book and going, no, this this can't be it. Like it can't, that can't be the way to do it. That it didn't fit right with me. And I shared that at the time on my page and I had so many mums message me and I kind of thought, wow, it's not just me, yeah. you know, but... For me, I suppose what really struck me about that was, I guess, even though, right, I was a first time mum and, you know, you really do lose your confidence as a mum, even though like working with children was my bread and butter, when you have your own children and you're in the midst of it, it's very different. But I suppose because of my background, I was able to put that book down and go, no, like there has to be some other way. I have to find out more about this. I have to be able to research it. Whereas for other mothers who maybe don't have that background, have a different background, I sure I'm sure they read that book and kind of went, I am not going to do this. this. I have to do it. There's no yeah. other way the book says, you know, the expert says this is how I'm supposed to do it. And it's and it's that again, isn't it? It's that expert led conversation. And again, if you're a first time mom, and I think particularly as, you know, um, maybe somebody who's probably a little bit sensitive to this and the fact that, you know, my family are in Kerry, I'm in Cork, but my husband's family are all in Switzerland. So I, I've met a lot of moms naturally who have just moved to Cork for the first time and don't have a lot of that support around yeah. them as well. And so I see this where they're they're looking for that expert 
um, instead of because they don't have the family around to kind of say, oh, well, look, you did this or you did that, you know, because it is different when you're picking up a phone to them as opposed to them being there and seeing your child. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, what struck me about what you're saying, Tara, is I think a lot of people who may have family nearby who would like Mm -hmm. to be hands on. I think for a lot of people during COVID that was taken away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like we noticed that with our eldest, like my, my mom actually lives right around the corner from me, which is amazing. It's like a five minute walk, which is absolutely yeah. fantastic. But because of COVID and, you know, we didn't know how to manage that. We didn't know how sick it would make babies. We kind of made a decision the first couple of months that we just weren't going to have visitors. And we would sometimes have my mom, sometimes have my husband's dad, but they would literally come for a very short visit. They'd have a mask on, you know, they'd only hold her for a couple of minutes and, you know, hand her over. And that's just what we felt we had to do to keep us safe. But it's only now since we had our second that we're kind of looking back going, you know, actually, we think our eldest had silent reflux. But that might have been spotted by other experienced parents, except we were on our own. And I remember us kind of thinking, well, this is just this is just how babies are. Sure, that's why they sell you muslins in the shop. You know, they're meant to. I remember thinking that I was like, wow, like that must be why they're so cheap. Like you really need them. Oh, Emma, I really hear you there, though, because like so my first daughter was born in 2018. uh, My second daughter was born in 2020 and my son was born in 2022. So I kind of got the rainbow of COVID in reality. Like we had, you know, the beautiful moments of everybody showing up to the hospital, everybody uh, coming into our house, people who had never come to visit, coming to visit our first child. Um, which was lovely to a certain extent, but also the stress of it. And then obviously in 2020, when when my daughter was born, nobody came to visit. Um, you know, it was very much, as you said, you know, kind of locked in. And that difference for me, I could really see. Um, now, luckily, I suppose we had that bit more of experience, but they were very different children. And I'm sure it's the same with your two daughters. You know, they're, they're so different. Their sleeping is different. Their eating is different. Everything is so different that you are questioning yourself again and if you kind of had that reassurance from another experienced parent who kind of would turn around and say actually that's normal Tara <laughs> it probably would make a difference and it really did struck me strike me when I was looking for those mom groups I'm like this, it just doesn't work online it doesn't translate you don't get to see the babies and kind of compare those differences exactly exactly and it's just it's so it's so tricky and it's not always necessary that you want people to point out that there's something wrong sometimes it's just that reassurance the reassurance you know, yes. okay or um even for people to see those difficult moments you know where your baby's really fussy and you're doing your best to settle them and just to have another experienced parent there to either say you're doing a great job just keep going you know they'll go asleep they'll settle you're doing great you know kind of being a cheerleader or also even that shared experience of saying do you know what i remember you know having this with my child or whatever and you know you get there you know just that kind of reassurance piece um mm-hmm. is really really missing and i don't know because like you said there you have that kind of rainbow of covid experience um and i don't know any different because my first was born in covid so you have to remember that i'm comparing to that but mm-hmm. one of the things that's kind of stand out to me as well is that the first baby everybody wants to be really involved And fair enough, COVID meant they couldn't see face to face, but there'd be lots of messages, texts, phone calls. Um, And then with your second or your third or whatever, it's kind of thought, Ash, you know what you're at, like, give you grand. (laughs) Um, And there's some days I'm sitting there going, this is so much harder than one. And I keep going in my head, you know, okay, my eldest is two, but she's still a baby. She still needs me. I'm still managing two babies now. 
MentorHer is a worldwide platform connecting female mentors and mentees in entrepreneurship, corporate careers, and self-development. If you need a mentor to help give you advice to begin or grow your business, help you develop in your career, or get a better work-life balance, get in touch with MentorHer today at www.mentorher.global to join their six-week or six-month program. Absolutely. And actually, Emma, because I know you talk a lot about mattress scents as well, but I feel I went through three different mattress scents with all three children, you know, um, and again, like the, the leap between one and two, I felt I was a bit more prepared because of some of the things that I had read. And I've always taken a very holistic approach. My breastfeeding was and sleeping journey was always child centered, luckily enough. It, I, I had to almost educate my family and friends around this because it wasn't really their approach. Um, you know, they would have been schedules and they would have been naps. I had to educate myself as well because I love schedules. <laughs> I had to break away from that for my kids, essentially, and go against my own thing. But, I, you know, the mattress sense I felt, you know, kind of going from one to two, but two to three, I found just way di- more difficult. I think because I found that one to two that little bit easier. I expected it to go that um two to three to be easier, but I found that a huge leap. And as you said, there's because I, I had done it so many times, there was less messages. Definitely. <laughs> and you know it's funny that you say that because a lot of the kind of writings I suppose about matrasinus would say that every mother for every child does go through a different matrasinus journey. And it's really looking at, I suppose, encompassing the whole experience of motherhood. So they're showing now that mm-hmm. actually even matrescence isn't just about birthing mothers. You know, it's also about mo- m- women who may become mothers through surrogacy or through adoption. And mm-hmm. it looks at how the matrescence journey even starts in pregnancy. So even for those mothers who unfortunately experience pregnancy loss, they have embarked on this matrescence journey as well do you know and it's mm-hmm. it's so individual mm-hmm. to each person and like you say you know you're saying yeah. to me that actually your second to third child was the biggest jump and then somebody else could say actually it was my first was the most challenging mm-hmm. and like I'm saying yes. who was hard yeah. you know it's different for everybody <laughs> exactly it's so different for everybody and you know I think it's really important to remember that I actually remember my mother-in-law turning around to me and my my first was such a good sleeper she really was like to this day you could have a marching band in her room and she would just she'd sleep through and she's just naturally a really good sleeper and I would I, I had in my heart say this had nothing to do with me it was just her um, and my mother-in-law saying well you're such a good mom that's the reason why she's sleeping and I said don't say that because the, another, the next one's going to come along and she's not going to sleep and I'm going to feel guilty about that and I was right yeah. <laughs> she's to this day she's a terrible sleeper she's three years of age and she's just she, she wakes up with night terrors and everything else so um you know it, it it's about that um you know that piece then as well of like the mom guilt I think as well and it's hard to get that balance right isn't it because you mm-hmm. want you want mothers to feel confident or reassured that they know what they're doing um but sometimes at the same time I think when you do that um it puts that added responsibility on a mum that like you are responsible for all of it. And actually, we know from the research that that's not the case. It's There's a dynamic between mum and baby and even the environment and the bigger social circle around them. It's not as straightforward. You know, if it was a case that we just had to give mammies these manuals and say, now do this, this, this and this and you're going to have the perfect child. Like I'd be a billionaire. Like somebody tell me I'm going to start coaching it now. <laughs> I'd quite like to retire early. Do you know, but... It's it's that piece where I think I think we're starting to look at a little bit more and we're starting to understand that 
all children are different. They all have their own temperaments. They all have their own personalities. And then it's even how we react with that. Do you know, like I've noticed it's funny, like yeah. my my husband would laugh because um, not so much now with baby brain, but before I had my girls, I was one of those people who would be quite good at um, multitasking and being very focused. I'd be very time efficient. Like he used to say to me, like, how are you doing so many things at once? Like that's that was me. Mm-hmm. And I would get frustrated with him where he would be a little bit more, you know, laid back. And, you know, I might start something and then I'll come back to it later. And I'm like, just get it done. Like, just get it finished. Um, and it's funny, I can see some traits in my eldest where she's she's quite like me and she's very curious about the world and she's very, um, I, I, let's see, no, she's a psychologist child, I would say. She's very tuned to people's emotions <laughs> and we'll talk about it. Um, but as well as that, there's times where she can be away with the fairies and I'm like, come on, I need to get something done. And she's going, but mommy, look yeah. at this and look at that. And then she go off onto something completely different. And for me, that piece is, well, how does my temperament and personality respond and and interact with that? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's just so complex. It's not just as straightforward as saying, do this and your baby's going to be perfect. I know, absolutely. And like, I'm geez, I'm actually just laughing and nodding away here, Emma, because that's my eldest as well. You know, she like her way of kind of getting my attention is just to ask questions because she knows I love to answer the questions as well. But especially when you have two kids, uh, three kids and a dinner to kind of get on the table, sometimes those questions they can trigger me and because I want to spend the time with her, but it's when you're when your attention is split. And all of a sudden now I'm like, oh, I really want to give you the attention, but I can't. Um, but, you know, and but each child does it slightly different then as well in those moments. It, it is a challenge. But just to actually kind of go back to the mommy manual that you were talking about there as well, because I, I find, you know, my husband and I have been talking about this quite often lately where he's a very good hands-on dad but you know I said to him like I didn't have a manual but I went and I did all the research and like I talked I'm having those conversations um and whereas I find he's getting that manual basically through me is this something that you would find quite often yeah definitely and you know it's actually something (laughs) I I must put a poll up about it someday because I'm curious because on one hand you know I'm kind of like okay well I have to bear in mind that I'm a psychologist so for my husband he's probably you know thinking well sure you're happy out you're nerding out and that's great like he does laugh at me when when I'm reading a book he's saying oh you're doing work and I'm going no I really enjoy reading this it's not work he says well it's a psychology book do you know Um, so I suppose he is incidentally learning through me and I think initially I thought ah look it's just because I'm a psychologist you know he's kind of going let you add it and he trusts you know my gut and he trusts my knowledge and all that um but then from talking to some of my friends a lot of them would also say it's the same that it's not that the daddies or the partners aren't hands-on like it's not that it's not that they don't want to be involved but it's kind of just that they let the mommy at it um and it's kind of i don't know in some ways on some in some ways i'm kind of like i like that space to be able to do that mm-hmm. um, but on the other hand sometimes I'm like it would be nice to share the burden of that knowledge you know so it's not always relying on me Yeah. so I don't know what the answer is to that mm-hmm. one I don't know but I would love to do a poll to see if it's the same in other houses to see yeah and like and again I, you know I, I suppose having kind of seen parent dynamics now for the past five years um, as a parent myself and I think you mentioned that as well you know where 
your lens changed when you became a parent um, on how you looked at different parenting and stuff. And I can see the dynamics, you know, within my family, within my friend groups um, on different dads and different moms as well and how they're reacting. And with my own husband, he really, really wants, he wants to be a good dad. He wants to be a supportive husband. You know, he really does try. There is this difference in how our brains work and I just can't describe it where I will think six months ahead and work backwards on planning. And even when my daughter started junior infants, I started imagining what it was going to be like when my second daughter started junior infants and how that was going to increase the workload and go to my son and then started planning for five years ahead from that. And he, he's looking at me going, what? We were talking about laundry. <laughs> like, where did we, how did this get from laundry to five years time? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's funny because it's like our brains are always on go. And I know I touched on actually a couple of minutes ago where I was saying to you where, like, you know, since I've had my girls, um, I feel like my brain doesn't work as efficiently. And then I have to remind myself that actually... It is working probably more efficiently. It's remembering more, but it's just, yeah. I suppose, it's more focused rather than across lots of different areas. And what's happening is it's not that my brain isn't working. It's my brain is reaching capacity. Like it can't yeah. holding. And that can be frustrating as well. You know, if there's something that I that I want to do or if there's a, like even the other day, I remember I was in the kitchen. And I wanted to write a post for Instagram and my husband was around. So he was there to look after the girls having their breakfast. And I thought, right, this is, you know, my five minutes of the day to get something done. So I'm sitting there and the next thing is I hear, mommy, mommy. <laughs> it was my eldest. Now bear in mind, she's sitting right beside me in the high chair. And then of course she goes, miss you. Which pulls on that heart string. And I'm going, you're right beside me, but oh my goodness, you miss me. So, of course, yeah. I stopped, you know, to chat to her. Mm-hmm. By the time I picked up my phone, I went, what was I trying to say? What was I trying to put in that post? And yeah. that I find frustrating sometimes, you know, and, and it's like in our back yeah. in my mind, you know, where I want to prioritize the girls. But at the same time, it's like, but I need to get my stuff done, too. I know, I know. And that's actually one of the things when we hold accountability groups with Mpreen, we're always talking about where it's like you actually have to remind yourself to celebrate the fact that you took that five minutes to actually be present with your daughter as well and that that is doing something because I, I feel quite often we're, we're looking at, as you said, like the social media post might not have been done, but you think, oh, I didn't get anything done today, but actually you did. Um, and, and looking again at that whole whole spectrum of the day. Exactly, exactly. Just getting that kind of perspective I suppose, do you know, mm-hmm. um, like yeah. the last the last 10 days or so, like we were all sick in the house. We all had colds. Um, and, you know, you probably know yourself that, you know, if you get sick, there's no space for you to slow down and get better. Um, mm-hmm. And I was so busy being focused on the girls and making sure, you know, that they were OK and monitoring temperatures and everything like that. And then I kind of come to the end and they go, oh, sure, I didn't get anything done. And my husband would go, well, you were looking after two sick babies all day. What do you mean you didn't get anything done? I heard you trying to check temperatures. I heard you checking nappies. I heard you trying to keep them calm so they wouldn't be coughing. Do you know? He's like, you were doing a lot. Yeah. But I think we don't wreck. Conversation and there's another 30 minutes on episode eight for you to listen to. There is a trigger warning. We will be discussing pregnancy loss as well as returning to work. Thank you so much, Dr. Emma Bagnell, for such an invigorating conversation. If in the meantime you are looking to get in touch with her, you can check out www.themotheringpsychologist.com or head over to Instagram and look at The Mothering Psychologist. I'll put that into the show notes as well. Tune in again for episode eight. 
Thank you for joining today's episode of Leaders Raising Leaders. If you found these insights valuable, then there's more waiting for you in the show notes where you can find our free guide packed with additional resources and tips. Don't miss out on future episodes. Subscribe, rate and leave a review. Your feedback fuels the conversations. And remember, you're not alone on this journey of leadership and parenthood. Until next time, keep leading, keep parenting and keep redefining what it means to be a leader raising a leader.